0: As a way of honoring the gospel, let us stand in body or spirit. Today's gospel is from Matthew 5 21 through 37. You have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, You shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. And if you insult the brother or sister, you will be liable to the council. And if you say, you fool, you will be liable to the hell of fire. So when you are offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled with your brother or sister and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are on the way to court with him, or your accuser may hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard, and you will be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said, "You shall not commit adultery," but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to go into hell. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that anyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of unchastity, causes her to commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, you shall not swear falsely, but carry on the vows you have made to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let your word be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything more than this comes from the evil one.
1: Thanks, Jane, well done. You read that well, thank you. Hey, have any of you ever sat in front of a very slow or uncooperative computer? (laughs) I don't know about your computers, but mine has a little spinning wheel. You have that too? Sometimes it's in color and it just spins and it and I wait and I wait and I get impatient and I get frustrated and when that happens continuously I know that I must take my laptop to the Apple store and I have to schedule an appointment with the Genius Bar and meet with someone who calls him or herself a genius, and they help fix my computer. I I must tell you, when I go into the Apple store at the Short Hills Mall, I look around as I'm waiting for the Genius Bar, and I think, God must just smile at this community that gathers in the Apple store. People of every age, people of every ethnic background, People of every faith background or no faith background. And and part of me as a pastor wonders, where are all these people on Sunday morning? I also think that when I go to the Department of Motor Vehicle. <laughs> God must smile at the people at the DMV. Every age, every racial background, every culture, every religion, I'm deeply moved by when Jesus quoted Isaiah and said, my father's house shall be a house of prayer for all people. And I I look at those diverse settings and I think, oh, this, this is what God is hoping for in the church. I'm very grateful that this Thursday evening at eight o'clock, we in the Chatham United Methodist Church are going to be hosting a, a a prayer vigil with Muslims, Christians, Jews, people of various faith traditions, perhaps people of no faith tradition, and we in our congregation will be able to simply yet profoundly welcome all people into this beautiful sanctuary. So the Genius Bar hooks up my laptop to some kind of diagnostic test. And they open a screen that I don't know how they get to that has an activity uh, monitor. And they can see what programs are running. Well, the guy says to me, the reason is very simple as to why your computer is so slow. You have some program running in the background and it's constantly running even though I have no idea what that program is or why it's running but what it's causing is the machine to overwork, the fan kicks on to cool it down. Have you ever had that happen? And this fan is running, trying to cool this down and all I have open to my knowledge is a Word document. But behind the scenes, something else is running like crazy. So he simply shuts it down, the fan goes off, It seems to pick up speed. I'm a happy man. In some ways, Jesus in today's scripture is diagnosing us because we've got some program running like crazy just under the surface and it's hindering our Ability to function. It's hindering our ability to love. It's hindering our ability to be in the flow of God's love because this program that we don't even know is operational is running like crazy in our lives. Friends, we are hardwired to love. That's how God created us. To love, to be loved, to let God's love flow through us. That's how we're created, that's how we're hardwired. But sometimes things in our lives have the potential to stop that flow. In the scriptures that Jane read today, Jesus um, normalizes anger. I'm so glad that he mentions anger as if to say, yes, this is a human problem, We all have anger issues. The question is not that it's wrong to be angry. The question is, do we let anger take up squatters' rights in our souls? Because if that does happen and we get caught in a cycle of resentment and anger and replaying the arguments that we have with people that we never have with them directly, we only have them in our own mind. Do you know those conversations? That becomes something that is constantly running in the background of our hardwiring and it stops us from being in the flow of love. And so Jesus said, If you want this diagnosed, if you want to take care of this program that's running behind the scenes that's hindering you, here's what you do. If you have a problem with somebody, don't even try to worship. Don't even try to come and worship God because this resentment, this anger will stop you from really being present in a worshipful way. Try this if you're wondering if this is really true or not. When you're, and we all get um, in in, in, in the quandary in the trap of resentment and anger at times, try this. When you're feeling angry or resentful, just try to muster up gratitude for anything. It's really hard. You can't be resentful and grateful at the same time. It's just not possible. So Jesus says, leave your gift at the altar. Don't even try to worship. Don't even try, because it's not going to work. Go and start working it out with the person with whom you're angry. Now, that may work in a Christian congregation. For mature Christians, we can do that because we stand on the foundation of forgiveness. And we can say to one another, hey, Jesus said this this morning in this text, and maybe we have some work we've got to do. Let's work through it so that we can worship together. Let's work through this so that we can get beyond it and not let resentment or anger keep doing its work on us. So, you know, maybe maybe we can... Have some code word that will help us. Maybe we go up to someone and say, hey, do we have to do some work for Matthew 5? That will open the door. And somebody may feign ignorance and say, I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, okay, I was picking up on some anger. Maybe that was just my imagination. Good, I'm glad we're good. But, it may open a door and to say, you know, maybe we can work through something here because it's hindering our ability to be in the flow of love. Now, let me also say this. I know this is not easy work. And I have heard from some of you who have shared with me your, your deep pain that sometimes this pain that has been caused, injustice that has been done is so deep, is so painful, that it may seem impossible to do the work of reconciliation. I want to honor some of the stories of pain that you have shared with me. Sometimes the injustice that has been done to us is, is is so great and so painful that it is that it hurts to even hear the suggestion of just forgiving and reconciling. I also realize that sometimes the pain that has been caused to us has been done by someone who's no longer in our lives. Either they have died, or they have moved away, or the relationship was broken so many years ago, but we still carry the pain with us. We still carry the hurt, the resentment, and so what do we do with that? A friend of mine just recently told me a story about uh, a business colleague of his that stabbed him in the back so terribly Uh, financially, in his career, in their business relationship that they haven't communicated in years. And the idea of reconciliation is beyond reality for him. But he said, what I have done with my anger at this former business partner is that I have entrusted him to God. That's really good. Because what my friend has done is he's let go of his resentment. He's let go of the pain and he's given it to God and he's given the person who caused the pain to God and said God you can do whatever you want with this person but I can't keep being the victim every time I conjure up in my mind the memories. I sense we all have people and situations in our lives that fit that category that we may need to entrust to God so that we can let go of the anger and let go of the resentment and let go of being victimized and entrust the person to God, entrust the dynamic to God if that person is still in our lives and if that person is in our congregation, please do the work, let's do the work. Hey. If I have hurt or offended any of you, please come up to me and say, I don't even know how to do this, but can we do the work of Matthew 5? You will get my attention. I will drop what I'm doing and listen so that you can tell me how maybe I can seek your forgiveness. If we do that, we stay in the flow of God's love, which is God's hope. The other part of this passage that I want to lift up that either keeps us in the flow of God's love or puts us in the flow of God's love is when Jesus said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. I wish I had learned this in Sunday school as a kid. I don't ever remember hearing this as a child. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. What Jesus is giving us is permission to say yes to some things and permission to say no to some things. I thought growing up as a Christian, our job was to say yes to every request that came in because if we were a good Christian, we said yes, not according to Jesus. Some people say yes to everything and they don't know how to say no. You know what happens to them? They burn out or they get resentful Other people are stuck in a spirituality of no, and all they know how to do is say no to every request and every person. And they are stuck and isolated and at risk of growing cold-hearted. Our job as followers of Jesus is to discern what do we say yes to, and what do we say no to, If we say yes to everything, we'll burn out. If we say no to everything, we'll grow cold-hearted. How can we learn and discern together? And we may need one another as help in this discernment process. What should I say yes to? And what should I say no to? When we can do that well, it keeps us in the flow of love. Or it puts us in the flow of love. Or it saves us from the resentment that can so easily start building up in us. Sometimes at the Teze prayer, we sing an ancient prayer. It's over a thousand years old. Ubi caritas. In Latin, caritas, where we get the word care. Ubi caritas, where there is care. Et amor. You know what amor is. Love where there is care and love, Deus E B S. God is there. If we ever wonder where God is in the craziness of our lives, of our relationships, of our world, look for the love, look for the care, and that's where God is. And we're invited to come alongside of whatever we see, that love and care being, because that puts us in the flow of God's love. This Reformation door which was made by some of the the Rise team members this summer is a reminder of Martin Luther 500 years ago nailing his 95 theses to the door of the Wittenberg Chapel to, to call for the church to reform, to be more faithful, to side with love and not law, God is always inviting us as Christians into this spirituality of reform to take our church and make it more faithful. It's very easy to critique any church, very easy. It's like a straw man. But I would like to invite you and us to look at where we see God's love at work in this place and in our lives, because that may help us reform the church to be a more loving place, a more compassionate place, a more loving and compassionate witness to people who think the church is filled with folks who judge and condemn God wants to put us in the flow of love. And so, as the music is playing, I invite you to write down on the cards. If you didn't get a card, just raise your hand. One of the ushers will will bring a card to you. If you need a pencil, we have those. We'll bring one to you. Write down where you see God at, at work, where you see... Love where you experience love, where you receive love, where you give love. And then come and put that on this door so that we can see how each other experiences the flow of God's love. It may encourage us. It may embolden us. It may put us evermore into the flow of God's love. The chant that we hear is from Tézé, where the whole world seems to gather in search of God's love. As you are ready, I invite you to come. And as a statement of faith and witness, pin your cards to this Reformation door.